Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show's Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I said, welcome to the program, Caregiver Dave and Sandy. Dave, what's going on? How are you, man? Hey, I'm great. How are you doing? You know, it's pro- you know, as professional wrestling, I get excited. <laughs> Former pro wrestler myself, wrestled down south, Jerry the King Lawler. We talked about stories about The Rock, all the different things. When I was back in the day, retired in 99, Bremen, Germany, wrestling for catch. And our guest today is Shane Taylor from Ring of Honor. Shane, thanks for stopping by. How are you, man? I'm good, but if you're going to introduce me, it's got to be a little better than that, friend. Uh, you're, you're talking to the CEO of Shane Taylor Promotions, the former Ring of Honor World TV Champion, the current reigning and defending Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champion, the baddest of all time, Shane okay. Taylor. Okay, but maybe we have to get in the ring at some time, Shane, because I can make it on that. Listen. Hey, you know, I'm six foot ten. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know if you're built for that anymore. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, oh, no, no, I can, long I time out the game, yeah, brother. Long, long, long long time time the game. the game, not, it's never give up, man. You know that in this business for sure. Let's just break down how you broke down and all that stuff, Shane, because, again, I was preparing for someone else till last night. If you know some mm-hmm. of the major celebrities, I, I, I again, uh, challenged two-time heavyweight boxers to the wrestling ring, it, everything. So you'll have to talk to some of our cohorts. But where did you start out in wrestling, and how did you always want to be a pro wrestler? Uh, the dream for a while was football, um, but I, I've always loved wrestling. I just didn't know, like, especially back then, um, how to even start to begin a career as a professional wrestler. So football, in my mind, was the more attainable goal. Um, and so throughout my child, my childhood, as I looked and, and saw and got a little older, once I got to college... I met and was in, introduced to independent wrestling. Okay. And I was like, oh, there's, there's another, there's a way to do this, right? Um, and so once I caught wind of that, this is around 2006 or so, once I caught wind of that, um, I, I started going to shows. Uh, my very first in, independent show was uh, the International Wrestling Cartel in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, and you had guys, you know, Everybody there. Was Norm, Connors, was Norm Connors running it then? Or is that? Yes, it was. Yes, Nor- yes, yes. Norm and this I was, broke, this, broke this, in this was... Steel City and I was uh, wrestled Steel City a bunch of years for. Um, yes, this was the Norm era. Uh, and you had, you know, all all the guys there. You're just an idols, you're super hentai's, you're Eric Ecstasy's, you're, you know, you're Sterling James Keenan's better known as Corey Graves now, like, you know, uh, and every heavy hitter who was anybody came through there from AJ to Punk to Danielson to everybody. Right. right. Um, and so uh, while I, while I was there and watching, there were these two guys uh, by the name of the Cleveland mafia, uh, Ray, Ray Rowe and J rock and being from Cleveland, my, myself and knowing Ray uh, from our high school days, I, I was like, Hey man, you know, um, uh, Show me how, you know, show me whatever I I have to do to get involved in this. And then um, 2007 started, started training with him and J-Rock um, and the rest is sort of history. All right, Dave, you can ask any pro wrestling question to Shane and I'll keep going into the story. Shane, how you doing? What's going on, brother? Um, so I'm not as knowledgeable about boxing uh, or wrestling, or, wrestling right. or all that stuff, even oh, football as uh, as my buddy here is. But what I do know about wrestling is that there was different eras of wrestling, you know, like in the 50s, the 60s, 70s, etc. 
And some of the things I hear as a non-wrestler is that, you know, wrestling is fake, wrestling is scripted, uh, but those are good things that it's scripted, isn't it? Otherwise, wrestling would be kind of boring. No, what's your take on all of that? Uh, I, I, I think it all depends on who you're talking to and the context in which they're trying to use it in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if people are trying to be disrespectful, then I'm going to take offense to that because what we do in that ring risking our our lives spending time away from our families is very real Mm -hmm. um and the slightest misstep can cause you or your opponent you know permanent damage and if we're really breaking it down right this is all entertainment to me and me personally wrestling is really the only sort of um, sport that has the balls to say, hey, this is a show, but you're still going to come and have a great time and you're going to watch this, right? Yeah. Now, in my opinion, right, if there's any sort of betting on anything, football, wrestling, um, boxing, basketball, whatever, right, someone's controlling something because nobody is in the business of losing money. Nobody is, right? So, so somewhere somebody is pulling the strings to something it's all an entertainment and for me you could um whether it's movies or anything like that you can go see your favorite action star right you can go see john claude van damme go blow up a whole city block (laughs) kill 100 bad guys and leave that theater all pumped up because you just saw your hero win right? right nobody is going well, you know, he didn't really blow up that city block or, you know, those stunt guys are, are no one's doing that. You know what I'm saying? So just sit back, enjoy the show, have fun and stop being so, you know, negative about everything. Great answer. Uh, so, so, let's, so Shane, going back to seeing Dave, this is going to be an interesting one. Dave's questions versus mine. And I like it because Shane, you'll never have an interview like that. But when you get interviewed <laughs> by me, you'll never have an interview like I interview because I'm all about listening and all these different things in the process. When you talked about those connects down mm. there, uh, talking about Pittsburgh as kind of where your starting grounds are, how mm. did you kind of get in so in, that uh, IWC gave you opportunities. How did that happen? Like just through different experiences showing up and then getting the opportunities. How did that go? Yeah. I mean, just about, and, and this story is going to be repetitive. Just about every opportunity that I've had in my career has stemmed from Ray Rowe being somewhere and then telling people about me and then me showing up, getting the chance to do that and then showing people what I've got. So it it starts right here at the International Wrestling Cartel. Um, Ray was telling guys, you know, for for, for months, you know, hey, Shane can go. Shane is good. People heard him, but, you know, didn't really care. Uh, I, I had the chance to run the lights a few times, so I did that. Whatever it is that I could do to just get to get my face seen, uh, but then once I got my opportunity to step into the ring, um, then I was able to showcase what I could do, uh, people like that, and started getting more and more opportunities uh, with them. And then with independents all across the Midwest, all across the East Coast, and then all around the country. And see, that's the key thing. It's those opportunities come, you arise, you go for them. And that's to remember all the time, guys, when I got trained by Charlie Fulton, they gave me the opportunities. Lou Marconi helped me, Darren mm-hmm. Stone, uh, you know, Ron Kovlinch. I was all those different guys. But then then I got the opportunity to go down south to work for Burt Prentice. 
based on, hey, I'm going to one summer opportunity and then I end up with the headbangers or I'm going to have headbangers and all that stuff. So it's just right. all about opportunity. I think in your day, it's a lot different. I think that the Indies have a lot more opportunity with more professional independence than when I was there. And that's right. the thing. You think about how quickly you can get an independent contract to like, or a developmental contracts, a little different thing in this business now than when we were. Well, we were yeah, and, and a lot of that has to do with technology and a lot of that has to do with the wrestlers themselves understanding that you can use social media as a tool to create your own brand, right? Kind of like with uh, music, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Before, it used to be all about, well, I have to go to a major label if I want to make money. Now, people can be independent artists and stay there and make a hell of a living doing that. And so what that allows now is for a lot of that power and that control to be back into the hands of the wrestlers themselves, because you don't necessarily need to go to a major wrestling company to be a star and be marketable and make cash. You can do that on your own now. Um, so for us, I enjoy being able to see wrestling flourish in every, in every way, right? The more people that are, um, Making cash, no matter where it is, the better it is for everyone. The more people signed, great. The more people doing their things on the independence, great. Uh, I just like to, I like to see everybody being able to um, control their own paths. So, Dave, what we're basically talking about is the way the break-in. You always talk about when we've talked to, you know, country music stars, Grammy Award winners, yeah. Dave, all those people they had their opportunity. They had their thing. They had the talent. It's just meeting people. So Dave, the same thing happens in wrestling. As we talked about, remember we talked to certain country music stars and say, Hey, I just got that opportunity to sing here. And then I made it or this. And remember some of the stories, Dave, we've had in the last three years, that's the same thing in wrestling. So think, treat Shane, not like, okay, the competitor, think of Shane in the way of the story and something. As I always talk about it. It's just that he's an artist. Like we're all creators in some sort of way. And we find our opportunities in creating, as I've found in podcasting and radio for 11 years, growing to X amount of millions of listeners and opportunities that have opened up by, by starting. And Dave, you did the same thing by starting, right? Speaking yeah. where you spoke on stages and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted to talk about uh, how someone who was not a fan of sports in general, you know, mm -hmm. I became a boxing fan when Muhammad Ali went in the ring, you know, because he was entertaining, mm -hmm. like you said. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, I became a wrestling fan when uh, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and Andy Kaufman, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, wh what did those guys do to wrestling? Uh, when you have iconic figures like that, what they're able to do is transcend uh, because the wrestling world is still very niche, right? Even though it's our world, uh, it, it's still very niche um, in, in totality of everything, right? So um, what they were able to do is reach audiences outside of our, our niche and bring those eyes in. And when you can relate to people on a different level than wrestling, right, you're able to then attract more folks to you because everybody can find their thing to watch, Right. Um, so if you have a family of four, sometimes the dad just wants to see the fight. The mom wants to see, you know, the kids happy. So she's just watching. But then the kids, they're they're seeing these larger than life 
figures or they're seeing funny characters like your Kaufmans, you know what I mean? And they're entertained as well. So it's something for everyone. And when you have the ability, as especially with dynamic personalities like a Muhammad Ali to be able to draw eyes from around the world into your sport, it's only going to be a credit to you and a credit to the sport that you're involved in or the activity. Would you say your character in wrestling, how do you, where would you kind of define it again? And me and pro wrestling chain and knowing just last night I was interviewing you. Mm-hmm. I, I like just having a conversation to get to learn about somebody. But right. what, do you, what would you say you kind of portray your character as you came with me as, as, as the gimmick at the beginning. And this is just a shoot right. interview, just having fun and all that stuff. And you could put all the different accolades you had in this, as I can put out in my radio career, what I've had in accolades of celebrities I've interviewed. Tell mm-hmm. me specifically where, how you define your character as a wrestler. In, in, um, I, I think it hasn't been, except for the last few years, once I really clicked into uh, Shane Taylor Promotions, uh, which it is an LLC. So it is really my company. You know what I mean? Like, uh, in finding and being comfortable with who I am and not changing it because of any outside pressure, right? Or because of the fear of any sort of backlash that may come from it, right? Um, I come from a very dangerous area. I, I've gone through a lot of things in life. I see, I've seen a lot of things in life. Uh, and so my perspective about a lot of things is different when it comes to not only wrestling, but social social issues and things like that. So incorporating all of the real things that I feel uh, into what Shane Taylor is um, has really clicked the last two, three years or so. And what that is, is since we were just talking about boxing, um, I took three of my favorite boxers, found different personality traits of myself and kind of made a mold around all of that, right? So one of my favorites is Floyd Mayweather. And so what what I did was take his story with Bob Arum and Top Rank and how he learned to invest in himself, own his own brand and become his own boss and create Mayweather promotions. I took that, his ability to talk people into a fight, to be able to um, maximize uh, his ability to make revenue. Uh, I've taken the entertainment aspect of him, combined that with the in-ring tenacity and killer mentality of a guy like Mike Tyson, the way that my strikes hit, the way that I attack each opponent, all of that focus and all of that energy. I take that and then uh, like, like, like our good friend said, said, said there, I took the leadership aspect of Muhammad Ali, and that's who I want to be outside of the ring, right? Because for me, um, I feel as though Muhammad Ali's legend and his icon status came from what he did outside of the ring more than what he did inside. Um, and so to be able to combine those three aspects into one person, uh, that's what you get when you see Shane Taylor. That's what you get when you see Shane Taylor promotions and the spirit of all of that is embodied through all my guys, whether it be Revron Hunt or Khan or Moses or O'Shea Edwards, everybody has that mentality. And that's why our chemistry and our synergy as a group um, is one of the very best in all of pro wrestling. 
And see, that's, and you created that and developed that. And that's through really looking at what a brand is. And so mm-hmm. I take this as a branding expert, you know, and a, a digital marketing expert and looking at brands and building brands and saying, hey, you did it. You figured it out. You looked at what's the best, put it together into your brand, and it became your brand. And see, mm-hmm. that, Dave, that's the important thing. Just like caregiver Dave Nassani, Dave has a brand. He is the caregiver's caregiver. He helps caregivers, but he's spoken on stages. He's been on 49 different local television shows speaking about caregiving and he's a gas station owner, but he puts his brand out there. When people look up caregiver, Dave, he's the one that comes up, look up Shane Taylor promotions. You come up and you look up Neil Haley, even though there's other Neil Haley's, I'm the only one to come up on. That is called building a brand that people have an awareness and say, I want to be part of that. Dave, isn't that true? We talked about that a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're doing a good job of your brand, Shane. Yeah, um, you know, we spoke about the uh, past of uh, wrestling and the different things they went through. What, in your opinion, is the future of wrestling? And if there's a difference, what would you like to see the future of wrestling do or go into that direction if it's not already? Right. I think we're taking a lot of positive steps, especially when you talk about the old days, especially speaking from the perspective of uh, an African-American athlete in this sport. Uh, we've gone from eras where uh, we couldn't change in the same locker rooms to uh, being only typecast as certain characters, uh, having only the ability to be so high on the card, except for maybe one or two people. There was always a lot of uh, places that had quotas, so it was very hard to break through if, if they already had a black talent. And now I I, I feel as though we've hit a point where um, – the culture is shifting and everybody is seeing that um, not o- not only can black talent be more than what they've been allowed to be, but they can run the gamut of every single thing that our counterparts can be um, from the men to the women, to everybody in between uh, we can be uh, we can do and be everything. Right. And so that's that's the positive movement that's going forward. Uh, And I feel very proud to be one of the voices of that movement, uh, to have people look at me um, as as one of those voices and as one of those leaders um, to be able to uh, bring balance to not only the rosters, but I and, and the next step, as you mentioned, is to not only bring balance to the rosters, but to bring balance to management bring balance to marketing, bring balance to ownership, bring balance to um, all of the behind the scenes work because just having black people on your show is not enough. Just having black people as champions is not enough. You have to be able to take what's inside of them and have that connect to your audience. Black people in, in Atlanta are not the same as black people from New York, <laughs> right? Yeah, You're right. going to get different things. You're going to get different um, di- different dialects, style. You know what I mean? Just, just a whole different vibe. Uh, so learning and having the people backstage to help the people that perform on the stage bring that out is going to be so, so crucial. Uh, from marketing to being able to decide you know, what kind of T-shirts, what kind of, you know, merchandise we're going to sell, all of these things. We, we And we still have a long way to go to get there, to get to that point. But I feel as though we're taking steps in, in the right direction. 
And see, yeah. I think that's the key thing that you look at is that before wrestling was controlled by certain things, now it's changing. The independent wrestler is now becoming the as young people come to see that wrestler. They don't right. come to see the promotion anymore. They come to see right. who are wrestlers. And that's where you see the difference with what's happening with the other organizations. Again, the growth uh, factor of AEW versus WWE, even though WWE has all the talent, the talent's not being utilized right in the writing. And ROH, I mean, and companies like ROH um, Impact are writing storylines that are going to be better that people are seeing. And then they're coming to see those wrestlers and then they're becoming the high talent that maybe AEW will pick up at one point in time. And I think, let's talk about your accolades, first of all. You talked mm-hmm. about every time that this is not happening to you, right, Shane? Oh my gosh, you know, I, I'm always the one that finally they don't, they, they're not thinking I'm going to be the guy when they find out I'm the guy. Now with you being in ROH, having the championships, all these different things, what do you say about these accolades and the people that were naysayers? I'm still not done. Um, this it's, it, it, it's still a, it's still a fight every single day. Um, and for me, um, having the TV title was fantastic. Uh, I'm only one of three African American males to have ever won that title. And I'm very proud of that. I, I was proud of the run th- that I had with it, uh, right now with the six-man titles with Khan and Moses. We are the first all-African-American team to win those. And I am proud as hell of my guys for being able to uh, write their names in the, his- in the history books and call themselves champions. And we're on one hell of a run right now. But I think for me personally and individually, um, uh, until I'm holding the Ring of Honor World Championship, I can't say anything to the naysayers yet. Uh, there, there's only been one African-American male to, to have held that title in, in the 20 year history of the company. And that was Jay Lethal. Um, I think a lot of the people, a lot of the fans, a lot of the boys in, in the back uh, know I, I have the ability to carry that, to, um, to be that guy. Uh, there's been so many people who either didn't come to ROH or left ROH because they felt that, um, there was only room for one at the top. Um, I stayed because nothing ever changes if no one's there to fight for it. Right. So, um, I, I made that a goal and I made that a mission. Um, and, and so until I have the company's top prize, until I have the ring of honor world championship, um, then, you know, then, uh, you know, there, there's nothing I, I, I can say to the haters yet. Um, except wait and see because it's coming. Okay. All right. So Dave's final question is a caregiving question. And it's an interesting thing. Again, talked about some of your family background a little bit today. Mm-hmm. It was great talk. We really were talking wrestling. And it's funny, the people who we know versus not know. But Dave, go ahead with your caregiving question. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about life expectancy and the great icons. Usually their uh, health has taken them out of the ring. Right. And um, I was wondering how far you were going to go. Where were you going to stop it, uh, you know, and not allow your health to take you out of the ring? And, and then that follow-up question is, uh, you know, have you ever thought about uh, your loved ones, your family, your, uh, your parents, your grandparents, mm-hmm. and that they might need care one day and you might be the guy uh, to have to uh, give them that care? Because I, 
I say, if you're not a caregiver right now, just wait. You're either going to become one or you're going to need one. There's no escaping it. It's inevitable. So two questions. First one is about like how long your career is going to be. And are you concerned about some of the the early lives of certain wrestlers of the past? Um, My career is going to be as long as I want it to be. uh, As far as the health goes, I've been very lucky, knock on wood, to avoid any crazy injuries. There's some nagging stuff, you know what I mean? But that's just 14 years of wrestling. You're going to have that. Um, But as long as my health is good and I still can, I still feel like I can perform at a top level, then I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, The second that I feel either one of those is no longer the case, then I'll, then I'll start to, you know, make, make my, you know, good, my retirement tour. Um, But for now it's, it's smooth sailing for at least the next five years. You know what I mean? So um, that's that part. And as far as, uh, the caregiving and all of that stuff, um, I've had a lot of people in my life that were very close to me that got sick. Um, and so I, I've witnessed a, a lot of that and that's why I push myself so hard to be able to be in a, in a position where, um, anybody that's close to me, if they do get sick or they do need help, the only thing that they're going to have to worry about is getting better not having to worry about the bills, not having to worry about anything else um, because I'm going to be able to be able to take care of that. So um, my family, uh, the the elders in that family are constantly on my mind um, and, and, and are one of the reasons as as are my children uh, as to why I push myself so hard um, and I make all the sacrifices that I do. Great. And where can we can, where's the best place we can connect with you and uh, check out, check you out. Where's the best place? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at uh, Shane two one six Taylor. And if anybody's in the merch buying mood, uh, head on over to whatamaneuver.com slash Shane Taylor. And also check, check out the ROH pro shop. uh, That is ROH. I I think it's just the ROH shop. So ROH shop.com. Um, or check out ROHWrestling.com. Um, and, you know, I appreciate all the, all the love and support for the last 14 years. STP is continuing to grow, and that's all because of the people. So we just want to say thank you all. Hey, well, thanks again. And what, what a great interview. Again, the connection of uh, Norm Connors and different people we've mentioned. We'll have to talk off air at one point, or maybe maybe I'll make a comeback. You never know about these things, especially. I mean, when you're I'm you I'm never here. know. Six I'm foot here. 10, 300 pounds. I'm six ten, three hundred. So bring it on, brother. Bring it on. Yeah, because there's not as many giants in wrestling as there were when I was working. I wish right. I this time. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's wild how it's changed. All right. Well, yes, thank you again for stopping by. Appreciate Dave. Caregiverdave.com for him. And take care, guys. See ya. Bye. All right.